0: Welcome back for a brand new episode of The Witching Hour. This is your, this is your second to last episode of the year? Is this the last episode? Because technically, like our big concluding episode of 2020 is going to run on New Year's Day. So I guess this That's is the last right. episode of 2020. Yeah. <laughs> Messing with my head. I wasn't going I feel like even though you know December is coming... <laughs> It just sneaks right up on you.
1: Yeah, it's extremely hard to process that it's Christmas. Not it's not a real thing to me. And I'm not even sure it will be a real thing on Christmas Day, which would be today. I don't know. Is it real or is is your mind <laughs> just out of control right now? I'm not going to tell you. Is anything real? Are we living in a simulation? I don't know, Perry. Are <laughs> things we're trying to figure out. Happy holidays, everyone. It is a holiday right now, and it's going to be a fun-filled
0: holiday, uh, week-long string of festivities here on Collider, because not only do we have two big end-of-the-year episodes coming your way, this one and the next included, but also if you go on over to Collider.com, I mean, lists galore people. Go check it all out. There are so many, and I don't know. I can't urge this enough. Don't just look for one top 10, look for all the top 10s, because there's so many different opinions and varying taste, and it's worth checking them all out.
1: Absolutely true. And uh, especially, you know, lots of opinions are always flying around the work slack, so I'm excited <laughs> to see everybody's top ten. I,
0: I am too. All right, so what we've got for you with this episode of The Witching Hour is it is not our top 10 horror movies of the year just yet. Right now we're doing Witching Hour Awards. We didn't come up with like a fancy or creative name. I think we're just going to call them the Witching Hour Awards, period. The Waskers. That's the
1: best I can do with the brain I have.
0: I really enjoy that. Welcome to the Waskers, everyone. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. (laughs) So we've come up with 10 different categories and Haley and I are each going to give a winner in each category so i think we're going to start with number one which is best performance and this is best performance in a genre movie Haley, do you want to reveal your answer first
1: this is hard but but i will i will do that for you perry uh i actually i ended up with betty gilpin and the hunt of all things just because i've never seen anyone give a performance like that and make the choices she does. Like, Elizabeth Moss was right there with her. And then like my wild card that if there was like a supporting category, maybe would be the guy we fell in love with in the craft, Nicholas Galaxy. Oh, yes, (laughs) came out of nowhere and totally stole the whole movie. But yeah, I went with Betty Gilpin, because I've never seen anyone make those choices.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of choices she makes in that movie that I absolutely loved. But my favorite is the one that I asked her about in the junket to know if it was scripted or if it was purely her choice and her choice alone. And it was that moment in the uh, in the bunker fight where she gives like a nonverbal response to something. Yeah, It's just it, it's a fascinating decision. And it was a decision that that she made herself. So I'm very much I behind that. that choice.
1: Nice. I, Would you? where'd you
0: land? (laughs) Honestly, I'm stressing about this a little because I purposely listed three people in case you picked any of them. (laughs) So on the spot right now, I need to give the win to one of these three. Well, that's actually what
1: I did. So I just told you all of them and then picked one.
0: (laughs) We make the rules. Okay. I'm going to work my way to my official choice, but I will back Elizabeth Moss. Because I still feel the same way I felt in February. I think that is an award-worthy performance. And then between Invisible Man and also her work in Shirley, which is hands down one of the most haunting performances I've seen all year. I mean, she's got to get recognition for something. She is just next level good. I am very convinced that nobody out there could have brought what she brought to those roles.
1: So. Shirley is part of what convinced me that she wasn't my winner because I was like, "Well, I can't give it to her if she gave a better performance this year." But it's different. It's just it is. <laughs> I just Shirley's one of the best performances I've ever seen. Yeah,
0: I'm a little, uh, I'm a little, a little obsessed with that movie at the moment. Um, my other runner-up here would be Chopin Dorisu from His House. You know how much I love Wumi, and I think she's great in it. But I think a lot of that movie is uh, puts a lot of the heavy lifting on his shoulders. And he goes through that transformation. And that character in particular goes through one heck of a transformation. And he just nails every single beat of it in the runtime of one feature film, which is just astounding to me. But I am officially going to give this honor to the platform star. And I, 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 I'm i trying, guys. I, I had a hard time looking up the. Per, the correct pronunciation, but I believe it's Ivan Masage. I hope I pronounced his name correctly. I, I tried, but uh, apologies if that's wrong. But he is something else in the platform. I think everyone out there knows how I feel about that movie overall. But wow, does he have his work cut out for him with that performance on every single level? Just the emotional distress of playing a character in that kind of situation. The physicality the role requires, you know, just the internal struggle he deals with uh, never, ever missing a beat with all the all the uh, dialogue heavy conversations and like verbal sparring he does in the movie. He just he he nails it time and time again, doesn't matter what floor he's on, doesn't matter what he's going through, and talk again about another excellent transformation. That is a character that is processing his situation and what his role is in it every single step of the way, and he makes sure that you know his entire thought process from start to finish, and that's a big part of the reason why I think what I believe the message of the movie is just
1: lands so strongly. Hmm. That's a good choice. I need to revisit that before I make like my final print list because I haven't seen it since last year well and it it has fallen a little out of my memory
0: I'm trying to figure out the days of the week at the moment but at this point in time I do believe my top 10 of the year is available to read on collider.com so I might as well just tell you that the platform is number three on the list
1: oh wow wow it really held up for you
0: yeah yeah I've watched it quite a few times since it's TIFF debut and not even just his performance, but every single element of the production, like the whole supporting ensemble is phenomenal. That production design is some of the best of the best. Mm-hmm. I really I can't get over that one.
1: Nice.
0: You might hear it come up in a future category on this list. <laughs> the next one we're going with is best score slash soundtrack.
1: You go first on this one because I struggled.
0: I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll give a I'll give an honorable mention first because we've we've clearly made that rule that we're allowed to do that now. This one's not necessarily like a it, it is a horror film, but you know when we struggle with the definition of a genre movie, I can't stop listening to the soundtrack for Promising Young Woman. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Spot on. Emerald Fennell makes her points so well through the soundtrack alone. <laughs> and it it's just astounding, but The score that I have gotten sucked into when I hear it playing anywhere, it immediately brings me right back to the movie is invisible man. Mm. I'll spoil something else. You know, that movie montage I make, I always choose some of my favorite songs or tracks and that is the backing to the horror section of that video and I feel like I can always know how strongly I really do feel about a score or a a, a track or a song when editing to that beat just like gets me all hyped and excited again and that is one of my favorite sections of that video.
1: If we're including, I, I actually meant to ask this before we started. Like, are we calling "Promising Young Woman" a horror movie? Because if that would be my pick for best performance, if we were Carrie Mulligan, I, I like the switch happening here, unbelievable. But uh, also would be soundtrack, and then for score, I had "Possessor" because I just remember mm-hmm. that ambient score really took me there with that movie, this and is like a very good pick. I don't know some. Invisible Man was my other honorable mention that's like, Meshon. I don't know. <laughs> um, I, Invisible Man was the one score I could think of this year from a horror movie and like remember specific moments of it versus the overall mm-hmm. impact of it. Usually I have a lot of these, but I just, this year the music, I guess, wasn't it for me. Uh, but I did feel that possessor when I was watching, with that heavy sort of ambient noise, really sort of mm-hmm. sunk into my bones and made me feel all gritty. And the way that whole movie feels, you know. Admittedly,
0: when when I'm watching movies, I feel like the uh, the part that sticks most usually isn't a score or soundtrack. Even when I think it's great, I, I just have a tendency to focus on other elements. And it isn't until I sit down at the end of the year and revisit. Mm-hmm. And when I hear something on the revisit, if it immediately transports me back to the movie, I feel like that that's a sign
1: that that's something extra special. That makes sense to me. And i would I think there are people who would argue you shouldn't notice the score while you're watching it because its job is to like right. take you there, not distract you, right? I don't I've heard that I'm not a musician. I don't know, but I've heard yeah. that
0: I mean, it's a it's a very fair point. I can understand that perspective on it. All right. Next one. Mm-hmm. Best director. Very hard. You have this honor first. I don't want it. It's so hard. Want, if you want if you want me to do it first, I feel like I've already kind of given it away. Have you? Ish. All right. Do it then. I mean, my number three movie of the year is The Platform, <laughs> so I'm great. giving it to that director. And again, apologies if I mispronounce his name, but I'm going to go for it. Hmm. Galder. Galder. Gastelou, Urrutia. Okay. I feel like, like I said it with no finesse, but as long as I came close to pronouncing it properly. But this is an example of a movie where if you don't have a conductor with a firm handle on every single section of his orchestra, it's not going to work. If one department in that movie didn't deliver the best possible work or their work wasn't mixed in well or perfectly for that matter with everything else, you would have seen the cracks in that world he was building. And if you didn't get a whole bunch of performances, which just like the utmost, uh, I, get, I guess, heart and drive that you believe and authenticity, it also wouldn't have worked. One of my favorite parts of that movie, is how you get so many different perspectives of what's going on in that facility. Because you know me, I hold tight to the good and the positive ones, but the good and the positive ones wouldn't have been as strong if the motivation behind the negative ones didn't play extremely well. And that is a movie where every single element comes together so well. And I think that might be, like if I were to pick one of the movies that I thought had the highest production value of the bunch, that would be it. And I think I can uh, attribute a lot of that movie's success to his work on it. Fair enough.
1: Mm-hmm. I uh, yeah. I like that you are so, like, you had this one. Because I really, this was really hard. Like, Scores was hard because not much stood out in my mind. This was hard because too many people stood out in my mind. Um, so I'm would say like, and the nominees are like one of them <laughs> been Brandon Cronenberg, um, Natalie, Erica, James. Um, there are just so many that really stood out to me this year and I'm forgetting his name right now, the director of Impedagore, who also did Satan's slaves. I would open a window, but you know how my internet is <laughs> not happening. <I> was <laughs> same for you. Uh, I thought he did incredible work on that. Uh, if we're including Promising Young Woman, Emerald Fennell has to be in the mix. But I decided Lee Winnell be oh, oh didn't mind. because of his use of the camera and uh, just in a way that furthers the direction we got in, you know, obviously Upgrade introduced, let's say, this sort of new style he's working with. I, he has a name for it, right? Like the motion...
0: It's the motion control camera. And I think he's just becoming well known for right. that
1: style for his action sequences. The way that it was implemented to put the audience into her shoes and the Invisible Man's shoes and somehow make both of those perspectives work to make you more afraid than if you had only had, you know, either a lot of horrors withholding the knowledge or, or giving it to you all at once in the big scare moment, but the weaving of that together, Mm -hmm. the fact that he was able to work with um, Elizabeth Moss to get that level of performance out of her in, in such a draining role. And yeah, like the invisible man was not an invisible man. They gave him a whole costume to make it easy to shoot. No, no, not Lee, he didn't do that. He made an invisible character and made it work and made it scary. And that's incredible.
0: Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big fan of that one as well. Such a big fan that that movie is also in my top 10 of the year. I love, I love that. But I think one of the reasons why I had an easier time with the best director category was because at least our next category gave me, gave me like another
1: opportunity to, to, you know, talk highly about another director's work. I think you're probably about to pick who I thought would have been the other contender for the last one. I
0: I feel like I might be because I noticed that even though you mentioned Natalie Erica, James,
1: you didn't mention his name. <laughs> that was honestly just me having a bad memory. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yes. So <laughs> go ahead. Is that <laughs> it? <awesome>. All right. <laughs> my, my favorite first-time
0: feature director of 2020 is Remy Weeks, who not only delivered a stellar movie but i think there's so many elements of his house that just show that he has freaking boundless potential for telling stories that are engaging and entertaining but also have have purpose and deep value every single step of the way that's another one where his cast is so phenomenal What he helps bring out of Wumi and Chopin is, I mean, like next level uh, act, directing the actor. And on top of that, the world that he helps create around them is, it's mighty, it's mighty complex. All right, first to back up a little, just the way that he weaves in the flawed system that refugees must deal with and how he uses that to essentially turn a haunted house trope on its head of you probably sat there and were and wondered why an occupant doesn't just leave the haunted house that concept pairing with those two characters are going through and a haunted house scenario i mean that that completely obliterates that idea and it makes them feel trapped and it makes you feel trapped right along with them and That is probably the closest a lot of us are gonna come to really being able to empathize with an experience like that. And hopefully, hopefully empathize to a fact that it inspires you to act and contribute and to root for change and to raise awareness. And the fact that he delivered that and I haven't been able to get that out of my head. I don't know. It just, it speaks to the lasting impact of his house. And as much as I love a good old fleeting thrill when I can't shake a movie because, like, it freaks me out while watching it, but then the truth that it illuminates freaks me out even more so, that's a major accomplishment.
1: I feel confused by my choice because, again, it's the it's the promising young woman situation. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so we're going to call it, we're going to call it a three-way tie, that's going to piss you off.
0: Not at uh, all. Because I think I'm going to like all
1: your choices. <laughs> yeah, it's it's Remy Weeks. It was going to be a two-way tie. But since we have a, a, allowed my dearly, beloved, <laughs> cherished, cherished, promising young woman, which I would argue is a horror movie, but I just didn't know if we were going to be that, like, cool. And I,
0: think, I think it's fair. Yeah.
1: Uh, I have to include Emerald Fennell, who just, what razor sharp personality and style and command of such a singular tone that could only come from her i bet if you read that script you probably would like not get it almost because it's such a specific tone that it has to be filtered through a personality i feel like maybe not maybe it all comes through but i i have i have doubts i bet you had to like meet her and get the pitch to fully understand the vision you know Uh, obsessed Obsessed with it just obsessed and and i've spoken many many times about my respect for what natalie erica james did in relic and we have talked about how we saw it and liked it and then saw it with a new perspective and we're just completely bowled over and emotionally (laughs) rocked by that film another one where such a strong command of like your actors, your performances, your emotions uh, an ability to take a space and and kind of in that same way as his house just like corrupt it without making the film feel gross you know like the both of those films feel lovely mm-hmm. in a sad way yeah. Heartbreaking and scary at times, but they're beautiful movies. Um, I just I all three of them, all of you, beautiful. I always looked at the ending of his house
0: as having a tinge of hopefulness to it. But ever since you asked Remy Weeks if that was his intention and he kind of confirmed it, it got me even more into that idea. And it's not hopeful in the sense that it's 100% positive because obviously 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 we still have a shit system out there that's unfairly treating people like this. And I would probably apply the same thing to a movie like Relic. It's not a happy ending where... You know, the three of them get to live happily ever after. But I don't know, there's a there's a feeling of of kind of acceptance and making the most making the most out of what you have doesn't feel quite right either. But even when you look at how um Bowl assesses the situation at the end of his house, that idea of You know, he wasn't able to move forward until he recognized his past and kind of dealt with it. And I think it's that same kind of feeling with Relic that the three of them recognize the kind of threat that's out there in the world that could ultimately affect them, given what happened to the grandmother. I don't know. There's some sort of there's some sort of hope I get out of seeing characters recognize things like that and still feel like they're going to take another step forward if that makes any
1: sense it's kind of like the babadook ending like you have to take your monsters and make them your pets and learn to love them (laughs) that was a nice and cheery way to put it but yeah you're kind of right yeah i mean it's now that i say it and i'm like oh wow what a really annoying like silver lining way to look at everything in the world if you were just always like yeah but you have to make your monsters your pets um there's a value to a silver lining but sometimes like especially in horror movies it's like well that's objectively one of the worst things that's ever happened um but there is power in that i do like those kinds of movies and i think what i'm trying to get at in a very rambly way is they they don't just silver lining you they don't just say no. well look at the bright side kid it's like it's both it's this is awful but you're mm-hmm. still gonna have to live with it
0: yeah i mean it's now that bad. i'm thinking about it like you can apply a similar uh, line of thinking to the platform too
1: mm.
0: you know the the good comes through certain characters but when you take a step back and look at that facility look at the the small fraction of individuals who actually wanted to do the right thing right it's like there's there's always um there's always a realistic balance to to the good and the benefit of learning and acceptance maybe but then the reality of our situation is never understated and they make sure that you never forget
1: that. <laughs> yeah. The, the platform made me more want to break the system. I'll be honest. It didn't make me want to like say, well, we'll just have to live with this. It made me want to oh, no. like, yeah, we're going to have to burn it all down.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I would say none of them, none of them made me feel like, oh, well, we'll just have to live with this more so, more so up to my admiration for the main characters and made me want to do what they were doing in order to better the system for everybody else hmm. That's
1: nice.
0: maybe that doesn't necessarily apply to relic but at least to his his house and the platform all right next category best creature oh fun it, okay. I think, you're first on this one right
1: yeah, yeah, because okay. we kind of spoiled yours
0: with our <laughs> rambling mouths. <laughs> this this was the one that I found the toughest, so I'd like to to pass it to you first anyway.
1: Okay, this was super easy for me. Uh Relic. Nothing else struck me this year in the way that that visual did. Nothing. Not even, I mean, in terms of creature work, it didn't, not even close. Not, that visual for what that film is trying to sum up presented in such a tender manner and so grotesque at the same time. Mm. Wow, beautiful the puppet work. Oh, ah. wow. Chef's kiss. Love. My runner up is like a long way back, but I did think the creature design in Sputnik was pretty cool It's a groovy groovy alien.
0: Okay. My runner up is Vivarium. <laughs> And uh, uh, okay. Martin and just the physicality of that role and just yeah. what it means and the transformation it goes through. But I have That's to get behind movie. your answer. It's, it's Relic. I mean, that was yeah. hands down, I think, the image of cinema in 2020 that was seared into my brain the most. And this is going to make me sound twisted and mean, but I, I watched Relic with, uh, with my mom and she was like, really upset by it. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't want her to be upset. But at the same time, I'm like, this, this, in this movie, so good did exactly what it wanted to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it just makes, makes, it, it, makes it makes you come it. right to face to face with your mortality and the mortality of your loved ones. Quite, uh, quite literally. Oh, I thought you said wait, literally. Oh, no, <laughs> I said. <"Fort> yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, yes, quite literally, and it it is that creature design that makes it so literal and so I think uh, visually compelling and disturbing and upsetting and lovely and all those things. I keep calling that movie.
0: I'm, I'm enjoying how the word "lovely" is applying. So. Well,
1: because every time I think of the word or the movie relic I do think of it as a lovely film oh, because it's like poetic yeah and it's made with tenderness and love mm-hmm. you know like you what is what is that cliche thing People like you can't hate somebody without loving them first or something like all the all this darkness comes from a place of fearing what we losing what we love the most often mm-hmm. um so
0: lovely i'm all for it all <laughs> right next one we have hit the best horror show. I have a feeling we have the same answer. We have to. <laughs> the Haunted of Bly Manor. Yeah, of course it is. I mean, it's it's a real achievement. And I know this is an anthology series and this wasn't meant to even be a continuation of Hill House. But Hill House set certain expectations, and those were mighty high expectations for me. I can only speak for me as an individual. I know some folks out there did not like how different Bly was to Hill House and I respect that feeling. I was the other way where I went into Bly Manor and for the first like episode and a half I'm like, "This is not my Hill House. I don't like." And then it it dug its claws in and The obsession level was through the roof. I love, I like I absolutely adore this group of characters and would have spent hours and hours more with them had I been given the opportunity. But the way that Mike Flanagan was able to pivot and tap into a completely different type of horror storytelling and and tell the story of such like more than one beautiful relationship within it He's so good. He's so good. And Blind Manor is, it's not just my favorite with a couple of close
1: seconds. It's just above and beyond. It was genuinely difficult for me to think of a runner-up. Like, there's no contest this year. It, it, is, it is Bly Manor's house. We just live in it. I love this show. I watched it several times which is ridiculous when you have to watch as much as we do and it's that long of a show yeah love it give me more garden gaze give me more of whatever victoria pedretti does because only she could pull off those choices talk about another performer who's constantly making choices
0: and did you know she's in shirley which i enjoy yes i'm convinced she had a bigger role i could see that I feel like she definitely had a scene with either Michael Stuhlbarg or Logan Lerman and it got cut. We have to talk about Shirley. I didn't know you were into it. I just want
1: to.
0: Yeah. <laughs> i I'm especially into it right now. When I was thinking about it though, the only show that came to mind as being maybe a runner up, but still coming nowhere close to Bly because Bly is just on another level is I really enjoyed covering into the night. Oh, I did like that. That one. was such. That was such a like a riveting treat to watch, and then break down with you. I, yeah. I, I
1: love what they're doing over there, and cannot wait for the second season. I I loved that show, and I that's a breeze of a show. But it's a whole different like ballpark. You yeah. know, it was like Blind Manor took me to like the emotional highs and lows yeah. of the galaxy, and that was just like a shot in the ass. Yeah. I, I think it's that's a
0: good call. It's a pretty good way to describe both of them.
1: Uh, my, my like, if I really, really thought about it, I guess I thought Juon on Origins was pretty good, or Juon on the Origin. Mm-hmm. Gnarly, but pretty good.
0: I watched a little of it, and it didn't quite hook me, and then it had kind of come and gone, so I'm like, I'll go watch something else.
1: I'm just glad you didn't get to the episode that disturbed yeah. me. I really would have bothered you. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm glad I didn't watch it then. I mean, this isn't really genre, but... Like, I kind of put dead to me in the category a little. I mean, if it was more heavy into the horror, I probably would have bumped it up on the list quite a bit. But I thought they, I thought that was another show where I was worried that they set the bar so high in season one. And I was also worried that that story wasn't expandable. Like, I thought they had done whatever they could do and that was it. But, you know, they exceeded my expectations big time in season two. And now
1: I want more. (laughs) I, I liked it, but you know, I had I had some pretty yes. serious problems with it. And your um, your serious problems, I respect them
0: because I can't really answer those questions.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like they those writers turn their characters into certain things and I'm just not on board with that. But it's yeah. still witty as heck and the acting's beyond reproach. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I had one more. Oh, but we can't talk about it yet. I was gonna say oh. how do we feel about Sabrina, but we're actually still before embargo.
0: Okay. You know, here, I'll give you another one that I just started watching
1: per Thad's recommendation. And I'm very into it and think you should probably watch it, The Wilds. Okay. So Liz has been telling me to watch this for weeks and I can't wait. I just haven't had time.
0: Here, it's time for me to be mean again. I kind of regret agreeing to watch it with my family because (laughs) if I wasn't committed to going through the whole season with them, I would be binging this thing right now. Like, I probably would have binged every single episode in 48 hours, but instead we're on,
1: like, like an episode a night schedule, and I can't stand it. Maybe I'll enjoy it better with time to process. I don't know. I'm impatient. I don't work that way. I, I don't really either. But people have a lot of opinions on that, and some just swear that it's the better way to watch content.
0: Eh, uh, I'm, so. defi- I'm definitely team binge watch.
1: Yeah. I love it. I love a binge. That's that's what gives me the time to watch Haunting and Blind Manor three times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel you on that. All right, best scares. Yeah. Who goes first? Me or you? You. All right. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give a, a runner-up honor right here. And here's where host comes into the conversation. The end scare of host. There are so many tells that let you know a scare is coming. There's no question about it. There's a push down a dark hallway. The Zoom call is about to time out. You know it's coming. And it doesn't matter how many times I've watched the movie, I feel like there's something about the timing of it that catches me mm-hmm. off guard every time. Like a true jump scare. Like it makes my heart skip a beat every time I watch it. I'm never ready for it. So that gets my, uh, my runner-up honor right now. But... One of my favorite scare set pieces of the entire year goes to Invisible Man, and it's the scene in the restaurant. I think that was just an example of expertly using his, you know, so-called monster in the movie. And, you know, speaking of taking a genre trope and turning it on its head, how often have you thought, if I'm out in public, I will be safe? No, you're not. He was right there. And not only was her sister not safe, but she was in a position where he could easily frame her. So there's that. And also just the blocking and the shot design of that whole scene. I mean, talk about taking your breath away. When that happens, the reaction, especially the first time around is like, holy shit, did I just see what I just saw? It's so effective.
1: I feel like that's the king of the year. And it's really hard like. I can't even, it's sort of like Bly Manor in that I can't even think of one that really comes close to the mastery of that scene. And, the, mm-hmm. and maybe it's not fair because that's the one I saw in a theater and I, I watched a crowd respond to it. And I saw people fair. fall apart like Putty in his hands when he executed mm-hmm. it. Um, so maybe it's not fair. But I just can't think of anything that touches how that made me feel, how it made a crowd feel, the the literal like screams and gasps that were going around. Um, yeah, that's phenomenal. I also, I had a really hard time trying to pick one from host because there are so many good ones yeah. and they all hit different. But if I did have to pick one, it would be the big pool effect because I think that's oh, a great end out of great. nowhere. I, uh, I also. I, really, go ahead. What were you going to say? I also like the chair gag. Um, the first okay. part where you're like, oh, this is a problem. I like she gets that. Pulled back across the room.
0: I also like where they use the pre-recorded uh,
1: virtual background. Oh, I think that so was cool. that was done quite well. There's a lot of really good ones, and they all hit different. Mm-hmm. Like the chair gag gives me tingles in my stomach. The the pool gag makes me feel a little nauseous. Uh, the the background just has me on edge. Um, they're they're all very good.
0: Do you want to know where host <laughs> landed on my top ten?
1: Yeah. Oh, but
0: it's hot. Wow. I, I mean. You know, really, really looking at my list of top 10 films overall, it, I mean, part of me can't believe how many horror movies wound up in there. I mean, it, it kind of makes sense because it's the genre I'm drawn to most, but I feel like this might be the most horror movies that have ever been on my top 10. Like, ever.
1: I <laughs> would. I was thinking that is very horary yeah. for you, but also a lot of, like, a lot of the movies that would usually take that place were kind of booted out of this year. Fair. Yep, that's probably true. The platform... Um, I did
0: want to... The platform, His House, Host, Spontaneous, The Invisible Man, and if we're counting it, Promising Young Woman. Six out of ten.
1: Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. I love. It. I'm here for it, obviously. I, it.
0: I'm very here for it because it happened in the middle of the week, like just as I was putting the finishing touches on it. You know, when you're, I, I actually, I don't know if you have the same feeling, but I feel like with my top ten list, I always hit that point where, like, it's an indescribable feeling of it just feeling right. You like, you look mm-hmm. at that that list of titles, and you're like, yes that represents what I wanted this year and it, it clicked totally. and it felt so good.
1: <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, I absolutely feel the same way. I'm always going that, chasing that feeling. I did well, want I, to single out. I just, I just know
0: that some other folks out there that I talk to that write like the list that we write, it's almost like that feel that that satisfying feeling never comes. Like it's a, like a moving uh, goalpost or finish line where, where they're, they're never at rest with their list, which in a sense, are you ever because, because in a year from now you'll look back on your
1: 2020 movies and maybe you'll feel differently about them. You know what I mean? I always do. It's not even like about some sort of the only finish line is the literal due date because it's not possible to have seen every single movie that came out within mm-hmm. the calendar year. So you nope. will feel differently over time. It just has to be that your due date is your due date. That's it. Like, that's how I have to approach it. And so for me, the challenge is to feel it click into place as best it can for that due date. Like, I have to accept that I won't have seen everything I wish I saw. I uh, which come up and next week episode no doubt when we do our top 10 i'll have to be like i didn't see this and this and this <laughs> um well i did pretty good in horror this year but before we move on i did want to sing a lot of a couple other scares i really liked um because it's just such a broad category and it's fun i've talked many times about how after midnight has my favorite jump scare of the year because so many people haven't seen it i won't spoil it still annoying but mm-hmm. uh it's at the very end, and I just think it's really clever, and it definitely uh, surprised me. Um, I want to shout out <laughs> the... the uh, I can't really even pick one, but I think I'm going to go with the nail and swallow, or, or that screw, or whatever that is. I, ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. I think for that movie, mine would be the thumbtack.
0: Okay. because. Like, everything she swallows would do damage to her system, but that was the first, you know, visibly sharp object, I believe, that yeah. she swallows. And and it's the way they capture it. I think it's sitting on the kitchen counter, and she just creeps, like, closer and closer ever so slowly. So you have a significant amount of time to process what you know she's about to do.
1: That's a, they're all they're all a bummer, man. <laughs> but the, it was that long one where I was like, oh, she's about to go to the hospital. Yeah. Like, this is bad. Uh, and I also wanted to shout out um, whatever we would call what happened to Sean Bean in Possessor. Ooh boy. That is a that brutal is, sequence. That is masterful makeup special effects there. Yes. Oh, and the opening scene of Empedagor is really good. So there, that's my little, and the nominees are, even though we already told you the winners. I like it. <laughs> All right. Next category, Genre MVP. We kind of made this one up, guys. We did. <laughs> this, is, this is a period. I feel like we're gonna have the same person. Rob Savage. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to tell tell everyone why first? You go ahead because it was your idea and he was your pick. And I, once he told me, I was like, "There's, there's no other like." Okay, I will say this before you do your thing. The only other competitor I had was Mike Flanagan, mm-hmm. but feels like not unique to this year in any way because he's kind of always that person for the last five years or one of the top three and uh also a lot of that stuff was like yes i am obsessed with manner but a lot of what he's done this year has been de- development as opposed to you know delivering something in the way that i think Rob savage did uniquely mm-hmm. for the time Go. so
0: if i'm being honest i feel like The idea of awarding Rob Savage something came before the thought of giving him genre MVP. But I don't know, chicken, egg, it doesn't matter. It still works because first off, the obvious here and something we've kind of already touched on, Host is great. And it's not just a great movie at milking a shtick for all it's worth. He's incredibly creative with that Zoom concept. And then on top of that, Even though the movie is only roughly 60 minutes long, he manages to establish a group of friends where they have connections that not only feel real and like there's real emotion behind them, but also like there's years worth of history behind them, too. And I feel like that alone ups the scare factor tenfold. But also he needs this honor because look at what we went through this year. And how scary it is, how scary it's been, how scary it is, and how much uncertainty we have in regards to the future of film and the industry and distribution and all of that. And here is someone who just steps in, gets a bunch of his best collaborators together and literally made the most of the situation and what he had. And he does it with such Artistry, And I feel like the idea of a shaky cam slash found footage movie usually doesn't get that kind of descriptor. But there is a finesse to the way that he uses the zoom construct that doesn't just make host like a fun horror movie to like throw on because we're in a pandemic and because it takes place when we're all dealing with coronavirus and then just shut it off and walk away. That true. I gave it the number five spot on my best of the year list because I truly believe that the work in it deserved that honor. So Rob Savage, a genre MVP of the year.
1: It's very hard to disagree with. And anyway, uh, I like that there's the immediacy of it. Right. Like, well, we talked about this when we interviewed him, but while people people were being snarky little people on Twitter and like, don't make a zoom movie nobody wants to see a zoom movie he just went and made a fucking movie about the times we live in that's boss shit that i like to get behind rather than just being a naysayer online for no good reason at all um it's total it's the the fact that i said he has so many freaking good scares jammed into that 60 minutes and all of them feel different than the one before and it does, like, as you were mentioning, that sort of found footage, like shaky cam, whatever, tends to get written off in a certain way. And I will be fair and say that a lot of the scares in found footage do tend to be similarly uh, constructed. Not in this movie. He managed to find so many. And the smarts, this might just be the the, the the cherry on the whole thing for me, the smarts to know it didn't need to be longer than that. That is That's like vision to me because it breaks so many basic rules that don't really matter in the time of entertainment that we live in, where TikTok is telling better stories than three hour movies. Like there's no tell use the 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 make a container that suits what you're trying to fill it with, you know, that suits the story you need to fill it with. And that's exactly what he did.
0: Yay, Rob Savage. Thank you, host. (laughs) We have two more left. We have hit best ending. I think you need to go first on
1: this. Okay. Well, I feel like I should have been less mouthy about some other ones (laughs) because now I feel like I've said what I needed to say, but it's relic. It's relic. That (laughs) ending has just destroyed me and made me feel all the things and spoke directly to me and my life experience and my phobias and, and my, you know, I felt finally that somebody understood this, this like oppressive mentality I've been living with since people in my family started dying when I was young. And I was like, that's it. That's, that's, that's what living feels like to me. And, um, I don't know, I guess we don't talk about that enough as Mm -hmm. people because I didn't know it was so universally shared. And I think that's really powerful to, to give people an outlet to talk about that and express it.
0: Well, I think that's the the value of movies that try to uh, that try to get at and explore the hard questions. Is I think it's genuinely impossible for some folks to put things like that into words. And your reaction, like someone who can't fully express it, then sees it on a screen. And and yes, and then who knows? Maybe that'll help that person process it for themselves. That that's why I I love storytelling in general, but. I love your answer to that, because I do think that Relic accomplishes that better than many films out there. What's your pick? His House. Now, I will not paraphrase. I will give you that, that last quote. So here's your spoiler warning if you haven't seen it. I love the lines at the end when Bull says, your ghosts follow you. They never leave. They live with you. It's when I let them in, I could start to face myself. That completely just reshaped the tone and the sense of dread in the movie. But like what we were discussing before, it is an an optimistic ending for those characters without taking away from the fact that that is still a hugely problematic system. Their experience didn't fix that, but they're working with what they have. And on top of that, I love what the ending does for the two of them as a couple because I feel like that was one of the hardest things for me to I don't know kind of like process and deal with while the movie was playing out because in many cases when someone's dealing with a haunted house type situation it's like the living breathing people have each other to rely on and seeing that rift in their relationship get bigger and bigger and bigger was was pretty devastating and probably made the middle of the movie even more horrific for me. but Remy Weeks earns them coming back together so well and seeing them come back together and share that mentality is I mean you you kind of said it before. I forget what you were describing. I think it was Rob Savage, but that is kind of the cherry on top of an incredible feature film
1: mm-hmm. It's I like I feel like the endings we chose sort of like reflect our life philosophies. You were just like, you have to live with your ghosts. And I'm like, we're all dying all the time.
0: Oh my God. I gotta figure out a way to put that in the description section of this video. <laughs> it's a great pitch. All right, we got one more to hit. I actually think that like my answer to this last one's gonna be the weirdest possible answer, but it's still getting at something that you've been expressing the entire episode, but in a different way. Okay. Last last category we have is the scariest movie of 2020. I don't think you've seen this movie. And it's it's very similar. Like it's not similar to Relic, but it is The Father with Anthony Hopkins. It's I've not, not it's not it's not a horror genre movie, but it is a movie that not only very firmly puts you in the shoes of someone who's watching a loved one's mind deteriorate, but it also puts you in that person's shoes as well. Mm. The way that they're able to capture just like the chaos and the confusion and the loneliness and the fear that he experiences while his world is crumbling around him and there's nothing he can do about it. That's the shit that keeps me up at night. That was... Well, again, it's a beautifully told, a beautifully told story, beautifully shot film. It is yet another play adaptation in twenty twenty that I think works incredibly well. But man, that movie kept me up at night.
1: That makes sense. Uh, no, I gotta. That's on my to watch. <laughs> Probably not before I make my top ten finalized list, but before I submit any of my like awards votings. <laughs> Because I hear he's getting a lot of performance. Uh, he's yeah. I mean, ri- like we're talking
0: about Anthony Hopkins, but I'm feeling pretty certain that that's one of the best performances I've ever seen from him.
1: High high praise. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I I mean, so this gives me yet another moment to change my answer uh, because I I like the moo, moo scariest I think is the Invisible Man. It's just incredibly effective and yanks you in a million directions, emotionally, viscerally, again, with all that inspired-ass camera work going on. Um, I would say Host is also very scary in that way. But my answer is, honestly, now that we're including Promising Young Woman, it's Promising Young Woman. That that movie scares the shit out of me. And I can't say why because it's not out and you guys all need to watch it. It's just if you see it, you'll probably understand why I said that and emerald you now you genius i love it so much and it is it's a terrifying film yeah all right but also there's, funny so have fun with it, it is, that if
0: there there's there's a like a catchy infectious energy to it yeah and it's just filled with with color and it's vibrant and i don't know i love that movie for Many different reasons, but I will uh, echo what you said. Terrifies me as well. That is it. That Wait,
1: should... I, I have a surprise question for you. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, it's like just whatever. Um, I feel like every year there's like a horror movie that like becomes like the a- aesthetic darling on Instagram. And I was wondering if you have any guesses what it might be. Like it was Midsommar and Hereditary, oh and also The Witch. Uh, but we didn't really have a twenty-four to bring that this year. Uh, so. Specifically, Instagram or just the internet? Like, really gets. I mean, I'm I'm wearing a midsummer shirt right now. Like, it's an aesthetic, darling. Mids- <laughs> I almost put on
0: a promising young woman shirt, but I had to rewear this shirt for recording reasons. Ah. <laughs> um. I mean, I feel like my answer would be different because it. It's so reliant on what I've watched the most. Hmm. And also, I feel like my brain is in Promising Young Woman mode right now. Just because it's coming out in theaters. It is out in theaters. And, you know, like I just got a mailer with her nail polish in it. Oh, I'm so <laughs> like, jealous. Like, like there's something about the look of that movie that's that's on the tip of my mind right now.
1: That would, that would be one of my top picks. I also, I think possessor will probably become Mm -hmm. like a favorite thing to share because it's so pretty and then really ugly um but i also think that the the movie that made me think about this question was because i wanted to find a place for it and i couldn't um in any of my selections uh sort of like how you you made up MVP for uh for rob Uh, I was thinking about, how, I really am one of the few people who genuinely adored Gretel and Hansel. And ah. I think that people are going to come to that late. And I think that people will pretend, or maybe not pretend, but they will like the imagery of it a lot on social media, maybe more than they actually watch the film. Well,
0: you know, maybe Black Coat's daughter is a, is a sign that that will happen. Oh, true.
1: It yeah, kinda, I think that movie, I'm always, like, the Oz Perkin person, so I like all of his films, and nobody else does.
0: Yeah, I'm not the biggest, I, I mean, I do think the general consensus on Black Hood's Daughter is pretty positive, but I'm just not that into it, and I told you, I, I tried earlier this year to re-watch it, to kind of, like, force myself to get on board,
1: and it's just, like, it's just not for me. Not for you, that, that's fair enough, and a lot of people feel that way about everything he does i'm yeah. I'm always like, yeah this is my energy <laughs> That being said, you guys don't
0: necessarily have to agree with every choice we made so take these categories hit the comment section below and share some of your picks for each of them because you know we all we all have different tastes and that's what's exciting about discussing movies so we really would want to hear your thoughts as well but that is it that's your waskers for 2020. Yes. I'm never letting that go. <laughs> never letting it go. My most inspired idea of all time. <laughs> Haley, where can everybody find your work? On the internets.
1: You can find me on Twitter at Haley Fouch. You can find me on Instagram at haystack McGrewie, And I believe my top ten, should you be curious about such things, posts on Collider next Thursday. Next nice Wednesday? No promises. Um, it's one of those days. But again, I can't open up tabs on my laptop while we're filming or my Internet will crash. It's fun. Um, it's next Tuesday. Aha the only
0: reason i have more clarity on that topic right now is because i know mine's already up and running so you can go over to collider.com and find my top 10 right there and that montage i've been teasing i'm going to post on my youtube channel on monday and then i believe it's going to go up on collider on thursday which is kind of cool and much appreciated but that's it that's where we leave you i hope you enjoy the holiday weekend you've officially survived the witching hour